just want to welcome those looking in online. Again, Romana reminds you to go to the app, the VLC app, and you can download the outline, which has kind of been the same for the last two weeks today and maybe one more week as we talk about the subject, servant of God. I want to just remind you that uh, a servant of God is an awesome position. I wonder right now if you're sitting here this morning or looking in online this morning that that absolutely is one of your top priorities. I want to be a servant of God. I aspire to be a servant of God. Now, we've heard from all our politicians, vote for me. I want to serve you, and you're going right underneath your breath. You don't, most of them don't even seem believable, correct? I want to serve you. Do you really truly have a desire to be a servant of God? That's what we've been studying the last couple weeks. Well, that word is used with Daniel. Daniel was called a servant of God. Let me set the stage before we get into our word servant that we made an acrostic out of it so you could recall some of the ways that you could serve God. Remember, Israel was much like America. It had begun to sin against God and it was divided. And so the Israel, the ten tribes, went into captivity after they split apart from Judah and in 722, they became captives of the Syrians. Then you had in 586, the rest of Israel called Judah, that the Babylonians took them into captivity. And you had some pretty sharp people that were in Nebuchadnezzar's administration. And then Nebuchadnezzar died and Darius and the Medes and the Persians took over the Babylonians. And so Daniel was third in the pecking order of Darius's administration. Everyone knew he was a servant of God. By the way, I want to tell you right now, I love God, but I'm telling you what, you don't set aside your faith in God because you serve as a fireman, a teacher, or in political office. It permeates everything you do. Do not buy into political correctness and say you can't be a believer in Jesus Christ and serve in the highest offices of the land. They're telling you to shut your mouth, keep your trap quiet. Don't let it leak out in any way. Don't buy into that political correctness. Daniel was one of those characters that we need to learn from. Amen? Am I speaking to the right crowd? This is not a political sermon. This is a way of life. Daniel was known to be a servant of God, and all those people in his administration were jealous of him, and they wanted to get rid of him. Do you recall reading the story in Daniel chapter 6? They said, listen, we can't find any fault in him unless we find fault in his what? Religion. 
So we're going to butter up the president or the king or the queen, and we're going to tell them, listen, O King Darius, we want you to make an edict, a law that we cannot change, that cannot be changed. And what we want to happen is this. For the next 30 days, no one can pray to anybody, divine or human, unless they direct those prayers toward you, Darius. He probably ate that up like you would eat up a, a chocolate uh, piece of cake with uh, whipped cream and a cherry on it. Daniel heard about it. Did he separate his religion from his position of being a boss, an employer, an employee, a doctor, a lawyer, or someone serving in the Supreme Court, or someone being a congressman or a senator or a president? Are we supposed to stop letting our faith leak out in our job? Daniel was not one of those guys that bought into political correctness. He let his faith show while he served King Darius and Nebuchadnezzar. By the way, it changed Nebuchadnezzar's life. And he, believe it or not, this narcissistic king became a believer in the Most High God. Don't believe it's impossible for that to happen. So Daniel, like he always did when he heard the edict three times a day, he went and prayed at a certain spot, and everyone knew exactly where that was. And they went there, and they got their Polaroid camera out, and they took a picture. Just wanted to see if you're awake. You thought it was a Freudian slip. No, it wasn't. They captured that moment, ran back to Darius. We got him. We got him. Oh, yes. He, he let his faith come out on his job. How dare someone be a senator, a politician, or run for the Supreme Court, or be a president and allow their faith to be manifested in the public arena? Don't you know that's politically incorrect? Sounds like I got to crawl up my back, right? But no, I don't. That's a way of life for most people, and it was a way of life for Daniel. And so... Boy, did Darius love Daniel because he knew how important he was to his administration. And he tried to spare Daniel, but all those politicians wouldn't let him forget what he signed in the law. So he throws Daniel into the lion's den. Didn't have any entertainment that night. He couldn't sleep because he cared about Daniel, he was important to his administration and his country. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. The next morning, he's the first one out of bed, runs to, to the lion's den and opens it up, and out pops Daniel. But I'd like you to remember exactly what he said. In Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, very early the next morning, that's King Darius, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant, oh, here it is, servant of the living God. That's what he was known for. Even though he was brilliant, even though he was wise, even though he knew how to interpret dreams, even though he knew how to manage Darius's administration, the top title was Servant of the Living God. 
was your God whom you serve faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? <laughs> Daniel answered, long live the king. My God said his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. My attention, the king's attention, and those who hated Daniel for no reason at all were still drawn to the fact that Daniel was a servant of God. And so I don't know what position, what status all of you have in the United States of America. But quit apologizing for being a servant of God. Stand tall in humility wherever God has placed you and never apologize for who you are. More than ever now, this country needs you, the believers need you, and believers all over the world need for you to stand tall on your jobs. And don't let anybody tell you that you are not supposed to mix politics with religion because Daniel is our key example of how that should be played out. He honored the king, he respected him, he made he probably didn't agree with half of his policies or two-thirds of his policies or maybe none of his policies. But he still served the living God while he served Nebuchadnezzar and Darius. Servant of the living God. Well, there's one even greater than Daniel in his name, Jesus. He is our example in Mark 10, 45. He reminds us exactly how we're to conduct ourselves. Like Daniel, God, of course, is greater in the flesh. For even the Son of Man, in Mark 10, 45, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life a ransom for many. So we have two great examples of how we're to conduct ourselves in this life, on our jobs, no matter where we go, we are servants of the living God. Do you desire to be a servant of the living God? By the way, he has gifted everybody. You'll recall this passage from last week. He has gifted everybody with the ability to serve in Darius's and Nebuchadnezzar's administration or in his administration. No one is left out. Everyone at the sound of my voice has been gifted to serve in God's administration. Corinthians 12, 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to some people so we can help each other. Is that what it says? A spiritual gift is given to some people. Some people even in the way back, back there. I know you're not in the way back because you're hiding, but even in the way back, God said, or even if you're looking through that little tube, God has given you a spiritual gift in his administration. You are called a servant of the living God. Gifts given to serve ourselves is being advanced in many churches. Did you hear that? Well, God gave you the gift and he lives in you. So now see how great you can become on this planet and see how much you can grab and see how much you can possess and see what kind of name you can make for yourself. That's the gospel being advanced in many places throughout the world. That gift.
gift was given to you by God so you can become great on this earth. Well, that's not the truth. He gave us spiritual gifts to serve him. Well, in this series, Servant of God, you've been listening to these messages for the last couple weeks, and you recall that God has saved you to serve him. What a privilege, by the way, to be able to serve our God. On that note, I was thinking about the prophet, judge, and priest, Samuel. We were studying about him in this morning's class. He had been dedicated, little Samuel, as a boy. He could have been three, four, five. We don't know exactly how old he was. But Elkanah and Hannah dedicated this baby to God to be a priest for the rest of his life. Many who read the book of Judges understand he was a judge, he was a priest, and he was a prophet. But he had to learn to listen to the voice of God. Hmm. To be a servant of God means you listen to the voice of God. Now, God could speak to you audibly in your spirit or in circumstances. Now, I've shared with you this year how I've seen God at work in the, my life, in the life of our church, and in the life of other human beings. And it has been in different ways, but it has been God speaking nevertheless. You also are familiar with God's voice inside of you. I don't know how many of you can say, he has spoken to me audibly, but I've heard many of you tell me, God spoke to me. I know my wife told me that when she said, God spoke to me, and he told me I had to marry you. <laughs> she didn't seem really joyous and jumping up and down. No, I'm teasing, but she did tell me. I've only heard God speak to me a couple times. And God had to speak to her because she was in for a ride. <laughs> but, but, but no kidding aside, she told me that. And there's only been a couple times that I or her that we've literally said, I know God spoke to me. Have you heard the voice of God audibly or through circumstances or in your spirit? Well, Samuel needed to learn that. So he was brought to the temple at Shiloh as a young child to serve God. And in Daniel chapter 6, we excuse me, not Daniel chapter 6, in Samuel, we remember that he had heard at least a couple times someone calling out to him, Daniel, I mean, excuse me, Sam, I'm thinking about Daniel and Samuel, Samuel. But he didn't know the voice of God. He didn't know who was calling him. He actually thought it was Eli that was calling him. Long story short, finally Eli tells him, listen, next time you go back to your bedroom and you hear that voice, and we'll pick up the story there. You ready? In Samuel, it says, so the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. He said, here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, here it is again. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. 
you see that again? Daniel is a servant. Jesus came to serve. Samuel, these are people of high stature. This is God himself, then Daniel, and then Samuel. They are identifying themselves as servants of God. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. I don't know how to imitate the voice of God. I'm trying. Speak, for your servant is listening. As you know, he became one of the greatest prophets that ever walked the face of this earth as he held the office of prophet, a priest, and, of course, a judge. I want to ask you again this morning, have you heard the voice of God speaking to you? If you haven't, perhaps you're not his servant. But if you're his servant, he will speak to you because he's gifted you and he desires for you to do something in his administration while on earth. By the way, just because someone says, Lord, Lord, or goes to church or calls himself a believer, that does not necessarily mean they are a servant of God. Let me give you a passage that reminds us of that. Very important. Had the privilege and chance to lead quite a few people to Christ this week and remind them just because you go to church, just because you go to McDonald's, you're born at McDonald's doesn't make you a quarter pounder. You've heard that. Just because you're born in a garage doesn't make you a car. And just because you sit in church doesn't make you a believer or a servant of God. Not everyone, it says in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and perform many miracles in your name. We see people like that plastered all over television. We see people like that in churches all across the world. We did all these things. But God will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So you see, just because someone rattles off some things and says God's name does not mean they're a servant of God. That's why I ask again, have you heard his voice? Literally, spiritually, through a circumstance. You want to become accustomed to the voice of the Holy Spirit who teaches you everything about God. Now, you may not be a priest. You may not be a pastor or a teacher. So you're saying, well, how do I become a servant of God? I'm not a Daniel. I'm not a Samuel. How do I serve God? I'm not the greatest evangelist. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a singer. And so many believers, many servants of God, check themselves out as available to serve in God's administration. Can I help you a little with this? So you think past churchy stuff and start thinking more as a servant. Let me take you to Matthew chapter 25 and remind you of some of the things that you can do or how you can serve God. So let's start thinking a little earthly. It's not wrong. 
Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Some of the ways you can serve. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Verse 33, he will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Now, you put yourself in this situation now. The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Now, here gets into the serving. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Hmm. We, servants of God, will say, Lord, when, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you, or thirsty, or give you something to drink? or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? When did we do that? We never saw you. Hmm. Now he brings it down to earth and helps us understand how we can be servants of God. The king said, I tell you the truth. When you did it, to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. All those things that you think go unnoticed that you do amongst the believers when they gather or when you scatter and you serve God and you do these things. I know someone took me in their home off the streets at 20 years old and we had the privilege to take in two people off the streets. We didn't think anything about it at the time. But now we realize if we've done it to the one of the least of these, we're doing it unto God. And you have done many things, pulled over on the side of the road to help someone out. You've given money to someone that needed money. You've brought someone into your home. All the things that you do don't go unnoticed. You are a servant of God. Ah, then he has something to say to those that thought they were servants and getting in but didn't do any of these things. They live lives for themselves. In verse 41, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. He's, he goes to the same list. Verse 42, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. Well, I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. By the way, anytime someone knocks on my door, honestly, the Bible says be careful. You might be entertaining angels unawarely. So don't shoo the person off because you're a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon. In fact, invite him in. Have a blast with them. I never tell them I'm a preacher to the end. <laughs> That's how I became a believer. I knocked on someone's door telling them about, excuse me, trying to sell a magazine in Texas. And they started telling me about Jesus. I still remember the family that he interrupted his meal, brought me in the front room, sat down on the couch, took time away from his family, and explained the gospel of Jesus Christ to me. And he wasn't a preacher. He was a servant of the Most High God. And I 
left that place. I remember saying a prayer, but I didn't have the foggiest idea what I was doing. But all I know is I wanted what he was talking about. And it wasn't but a couple weeks later, I went behind a gas station and invited Christ into my life. But I remember that picture. It's like a Polaroid moment sitting on his couch, him telling me about Jesus. Well, he took a stranger into his home. And then I knocked on another family's door, and they took me in for good. For three years, they invited me to live with them. Three girls and a boy. Hmm, I know all about this passage. You can do the same thing. You can be a servant of God, but you don't have to do exactly what Daniel did, what Samuel did, what I did. You, you do your own thing in God's administration because he's given you a gift. Maybe you weren't a street rat like me and you can't invite other street rats into your home, right? Because you don't know how to handle those street rats. Maybe you were a good rat and you were brought up all your life in a good life. I I'm talking about really good and you can't relate to those people the drug addicts, the alcoholics, the, the uh, rebellious people. You can't relate to them. So God gives you a different ministry. Don't feel guilty because you aren't doing what I'm doing or what Daniel's doing or what Samuel's doing. You do your own thing in God's administration. He's given you a different gift. And so he goes on and says, I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and, and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And then he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Wow. You see how that hits home with you and me that we look at those sitting right around us and and we think about serving God. Well, he's saying serve one another. And when you serve one another, you're serving me. He actually told them this. And they will go away into eternal punishment because they refuse to be servants of God. But the righteous will go into eternal life. So you see that a servant of God serves God in many ways. So don't just think about evangelism. Don't just think about teaching and preaching. There are so many ways to serve God that will then open up the doors for you to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to get back to that word servant. So we're thinking, okay, I just got another picture of a servant in an in a, in administration, but I'm not running for political office. I got a, another picture of what it's like by God himself. So he is a great example of a high position, actually the highest position anyone could hold. No one holds that kind of position. They had a lower position. And so I kind of got an idea that I'm not a big shot, even though I may own a business or I may have a lot of money or I may have a big home. I understand, God. I get it. You set the example for me. I understand the kind of servant you want me to be. And so I gave you that word, S-E-R-V-A-N-T, and made an acrostic out of it so that you can recall some other ways and how to be a servant of God. And the S was stood for, I'll just show you right quickly, and you have it in your outline. Remember, S stood for servants. And sanctified me, God wants to separate you from everybody else. Yes, he does. He wants you to get out from the crowd you've been running with and hang out with God's people. And then the E stood for 
we as children of God have bought into our role and our purpose on earth and that is to share the good news. We put the word evangelism on it or being evangelistic. Always putting on the helmet of salvation and looking for opportunities to tell people about the good news. And that involves everyone. That's what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about serving God, being sanctified, and, I'm, and, and, and carrying out God's purposes and, and, and realizing everyone gets to do that. And then we come to the word are. Relational and relevant. We're not going to finish all these, so don't worry about it. We have one more message on the series, Servant of God. And then when I think about being a servant of God, I'm thinking about being relational and relevant. Relational. See, these religious leaders who, who are the torchbearers of God's word, the good news that could set people free. And, and Jesus said, they come to you to find me and you send them in the opposite direction, making them twice the son of hell that you are. And they weren't relevant. They, they, didn't, they were not listened to by the people at all. So we must be relational if we expect to be servants of God. I think about Jesus and I think about Samuel. 2 Corinthians 1.12 reminds us of what Paul said to the church. He said, this is our boast, 2 Corinthians 1.12. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you, that's the church of Corinth, in the holiest and sincerity that are from God, we have done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace. And then John 13, 35 reminds us, in being relational, they're only going to be able to identify as the servants of God if we do this in John 13, 35. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Man, when, before we got saved, we hated an awful lot of people. By the way, the word hate should not even be used amongst believers because God said we are to pray for our enemies. He said you cannot have a relationship with me and say that you hate people that's an impossibility. See, I don't have to get political. All I have to do is stick to the word of God. He said, not me, if you're a servant of God and you love me, they're going to be able to identify who you are because of the love that you have for one another. Even your enemies, you are to love them. Servant of God, do you really care about others? Are you intentionally relationable to those that used to live like you did, or you used to live like they did. Somehow we come out of that world and we get into the Christian world, which is okay, but we forget the world that God delivered us from and we don't go back there and we become judgmental and we become arrogant and prideful and how dare they live like that. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they did that. Please look at yourself in the mirror and remind yourself what the scripture says. You too used to live like that. That's how you're relational. You remember, I was delivered from that. You can relate 
or you may not relate because you forgot what God has done for you. He saved a wretch like me. He saved a wretch like you. You need to be relevant. When I think about this, have you ever heard the saying, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly use? Have you ever heard of that? These people that walk around, it's like they're walking on a cloud all the time. You ever been around those folks? Every word that comes out of their mouth is spiritual. Now, I want to be spiritual all the time, but you can't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly use. I got around people. Now, no pun intended toward King James. How many like the King James Bible? Raise your hand. I'm not offended. Good. I noticed one. No offense. I, I memorized most of my scriptures out of the King James. But try going up to a, a, a millennial or a Zen generation and, yow, yo, thee, ye, yay. Man, I didn't know they had rap back then before it ever began. They had rap back then before it ever began. I, got, I mean, wow. I be, in 1976, I got saved, and I, I, man, I didn't know rap was invented back in 1976. And Shakespeare, I couldn't stand any of his books. And, this, and the Bible spoke like Shakespeare. Now, some of you love Shakespeare. Some of you are English teachers. Bravo. <laughs> I can't stand that guy. And I read King James, and I go, oh, my goodness. And then I got around these people. King James only. It's the only Bible that God sanctioned. You read any other Bible, it's like, have you ever bumped into those people? Oh, my goodness. I've gotten in hours and hours and hours of debate with the King James fans. King James is a good Bible. What do you think, by the way? To put a little nail in that coffin that King James is the only Bible, what do you think they did when they translated into all these other languages of the world? Ha, they didn't use Shakespeare. They used the language of the people. Don't get hung up on stuff like that. Be relevant. Change the method but not the message. You don't want to be so earthly-minded you're no heavenly use. By the way, if... I had not kept up with some of you. You've helped me be relevant in technology. JW helped us tremendously. Wilbur and the guys, Jay, and all those people back there in Aubrey, all those people back there. I, I, I didn't keep up with that. I have no social media at all. I stay off of it because I can't handle it. I went to my Twitter account that I opened years ago that I barely use, and I was aghast at what's on there. I had to lickety-split get, get out of Dodge. So no social media, I uh, don't watch much television, except some sports and news. I don't even watch that much anymore. I found more fun in being around my family and kids and, and uh, going outside and having fun myself with my grandkids. But, boy, I, I watch very little television. So I'm, I'm out of it. Thank goodness some of you that came from that world, I can't handle that world. I admit it. I plead the fifth. Ron Bramus cannot handle Facebook, Twitter, and social media. Anybody else want to admit that? Okay, so you don't can handle it. Some people can handle it, right? So, some people have been in a motorcycle gang, they get saved, and they go back and they start witnessing to their motorcycle gang people, right? I got saved off the streets, I can go back to those people, and I can share Christ with them. But I can't handle the immoral world that I see on Facebook. But some of you can. You're strong. You're servants of God. You don't get caught up in all this stuff. <laughs> 
Uh, I, <laughs> well, I, no, some of you really can. Some of you can. And you use it for the good. That's what, remember when I got saved, it was can't watch television, you can't go to movies if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. That was in the 70s. They were wrong. They should have just said, you can go to movies. Be careful what you watch, okay? You can have a TV in your house. Be careful what you watch. That's not how it was preached to me. You can go on Facebook, but be careful. You can have a Twitter account, but be careful. Don't saturate your mind with that. You can have it, I get okay? So we have some people here that, that are very up to speed on all that. And because of that, guess what? They informed this church how during the COVID and now that we can be broadcasting live anywhere. In fact, we just did a wedding with Matt and Ava. I don't know where Ava's at, but uh, Matt and Ava, she might be back in the children's church. I have no idea, but we broadcast it, and people in Peru heard, right? Wow. Thank God for those people that have that gifting and serving God with their talent and their abilities. Relevant. They help this church be relevant. Do you see what I'm saying, servant of God? We need to remain relevant. When I was in seminary, they said, make sure you have the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other hand so you can remain relevant. Paul punctuated this in 1 Corinthians 9 when he said, though I am free, here, here's the attitude we should have. Ready? In 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Okay, now he's going to describe what relevant means. To the Jew, this is not compromising, by the way, with sin. To the Jew, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. Talking about being relevant, servant of God. So as to win those under the law, Mm. To those having the law, I become like one not having the law. Although I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. This means at times getting down in the trenches but not sinning with them. In other words, there could be a possibility that I got saved from a bar and I go back to the bar and I'm witnessing to my friend. God could lay that on my heart. We're talk not talking about sin now, going to a strip bar. We're talking about a bar, because then you would be entering into sin. I'm talking about going to a bar, and seriously, there's some of my old buddies, and I want to win them to Christ. But I got these church folks out here looking in, going, oh, what a sinner. Oh, look what he, oh, you see what he did? And then they run and tell all their buddies and their friends. You have to be very careful, because Paul said, I'm going to become all things without sinning, without sinning, no compromise with sin, because he wanted to win people to God we have to be very wise when we see people get saved and we see them you know what they're up to it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out I have heard people that have come from prostitution for example and they've gone 
back to those very same people in that very same environment, and they've freed many of those girls from that kind of life. Relevant. I used to be, and you used to be very worldly. You can remain relevant without sinning to reach your buddies for Jesus Christ, to reach your friends for Jesus Christ. One last illustration, and I'll shut it down, and we'll continue our last message next week on the servant of God. My neighbors next door came over, and we have a relationship. I, I have a relationship at least with one neighbor. Everybody else is scared to death, it seems like. They don't say nothing. They peek out their window curtain, runs outside, keep the door shut, don't answer the door. <laughs> Literally, that happened to me. I've already shared that with you. But this one neighbor came over, and I have a standard in television. I do not like someone taking God's name in vain. Yet I want to reach my neighbor. So I went to my neighbor's one day, and he had an outside movie theater, and we went outside, and he had a little party, and I watched the movie. He came over my house, and, and there was a movie called Ford versus Fury. Now, don't tell me if you went to see it. Ferrari. Was it Ferrari versus Ford? Okay. So, I'm wanting to see it. My neighbor comes over. Now, with my kids, I used to say, go look it up and see if there's any foul language in it. I wasn't on that one minute, and boom, GD came on it. And my family knows how much I hate that. Listen, that doesn't make me perfect. I just cannot stand someone taking our God's name in vain. Amen? I'm not going to pay. If God told me in the commandment, this is my, boy, this is my soapbox, guys. This is my soapbox. You don't hear about it very often. My soapbox is entertainment. And, and long story short, they use God's name in vain. And, and then Luke's over there. Uh, he's, he's, do, he's doing some little uh, fast uh, phone logging and he goes, Dad, do you know how many uh, GDs are in this movie? <laughs> and there's my neighbor right there. So I had a decision to make. I had a decision to make. Was I going to compromise? This is what I'm talking about, being relevant. Now, I've lost some battles. I'm telling you about the victories, okay? I've lost some battles. You've lost some battles. But more often than not, we win battles. And I had the decision. Was I going to kowtow to my neighbor and say, okay, I, I didn't want to offend them. I, I want I to make sure they're friends and they'll talk to me over the fence and they'll invite me over once in a while, at least once a year or twice a year. Was I going to kowtow to that or was I going to say, I'm taking a stand for Jesus. So I spoke out loud. I said, friend, I said, I like movies, but I can't stand when they talk about God in a bad way. We turned it off. I, I forgot what movie we ended up seeing. Cars or something like that. I don't remember what we saw. It was, and he's over there for the full two hours. But, but see what we did? What we did, we remained relevant without sinning. Does that make sense, guys? Remained relevant without sinning. That's what a servant of God does in the world that we live in. And so we will continue next week finishing up what it means to be a servant of God. We looked at Samuel. We've looked at Jesus. We've looked at Daniel. We understand there are more ways than one to serve God besides preaching and teaching and singing.
and serving in the children's nursery. There's many other ways that you can serve God. You found that out in Matthew 25. So go out today, this week, and become servants of God. Would you stand with me at this time? Of course, we always want to do this. This is because we are an evangelistic church, meaning we want to see people come to know Christ as Savior. I want to just very quickly, I've adopted this this year, the ABCs of our salvation. Remember, if you don't know God, like in Matthew that I talked about earlier, we never saw you hanging around this earth, so therefore we, we didn't serve you. But Jesus taught us that when we serve other people, we are serving him. Well, you can't become a servant of God until one you admit. You admit that you are a sinner. Very simple, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, believe. Believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's all about him. It's not about you and me. It's about what he did for us on the cross. God took, he took God's wrath. He took your punishment. He took your judgment. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. And see, now confess him. Call on him. Commit your life to him. Whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. Of course, if you're looking in online, God could have already been working on you. You heard this. If you made that decision or want to make the decision, please click at the comment section, the tab that tells you to go to a place where we will get that information from you. And we will send you from information and we'll call you this week, make a, an appointment with you or celebrate that. If you make the decision, of course, the next step is to come forward in believers' baptism. We continue to worship God by inviting you to come to Christ, also by giving faithfully to him online of course we have our our tab our vlc app and you can give online or you give on the way out through envelopes put it in the offering box or we have a machine back there you can give on your card thirdly we continue worshiping god in prayer and worshiping him in music let's bow please at this time father thank you for teaching us more about being a servant of god it is enjoyable speaking to the crowd that loves you. And all of us understand we do not carry it out perfectly. So for encouragement, would you remind every believer what your word says? You have been faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Encourage us with that, Father. Not so that we can slack up, but for the times we failed to be that servant of God like Peter did now would you continue to receive our adoration as we sing as we give as we pray this morning in Jesus name I pray amen